Welcome to the Personal Trainers Who Care podcast. I'm Catherine Marion, and I am a trainer and manager at the Freeform Fitness Wellington location, and I will also be your host as we get to know another member of our incredible team. Here we share the stories of our personal trainers because at the heart of every fitness business is a passionate individual who cares about changing lives and helping others realize their full health potential. This podcast is a production of Freeform Fitness, a boutique-style personal training studio with six locations across Ottawa, Canada. Here, we hire the best personal trainers. They are ambitious, hardworking team players who know how to get their clients' results. Our trainers provide expert personal training services in studio and online, and every program is tailored to the individual needs of the client. If you want to learn more about Freeform Fitness, be sure to visit us at freeformfitness.ca. In today's episode, we're going to talk to Sean Rogers. He's a personal trainer and manager at our Metcalf location. Sean has been with Freeform Fitness since October of 2019 and brings much knowledge to the team. Aside from his personal training certification, Sean is also a level one precision nutrition coach. He is certified in kettlebell athletics as well as pre and postnatal coaching. We'll ask him about all of that shortly. And interesting fact, originally from the UK, Sean has been in Canada for eight years, and I'll be asking him about that transition as well. Welcome to today's edition of the Personal Trainers Who Care podcast. Thanks for joining us, Sean. Hey, folks. Yeah, good. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I'm so grateful that you're talking to us today and that everybody else is going to get to listen to that fabulous accent. (laughs) (laughs) So listen, uh, you and Mary, who's been a partner for 10 years, you've been in Canada now for eight years. You know. What's that transition like for, you know, when you're coming from, you know, for me, I think about weather. Yeah, that was definitely um, something that took getting used to was the cold, that's for sure. Um, but honestly, the transition was, was pretty smooth. It was well thought out and planned out. I mean, initially, I moved, we lived in Toronto to start with, so I was there for about four or five years. Um, and yeah, the, the transition was pretty smooth. I was already kind of on the path as a trainer, so... Initially, I started out um, working at a gym on Young Street down there. Um, but yeah, no, we made that transition. Mary's working in the UK for a few years, and then we made that decision to make the move here to the kind of big city because I think London was on the cards for me if I was to be staying in the UK. So uh, we kind of wanted to make sure we were in the big city, being you know in our early twenties. So we made that move, and uh, yeah, it worked out great. And we both both loved it and managed to really push our careers forward when we were there, which was great. Which is really exciting for both of you. But, you know, I keep thinking about this whole winter thing. Do you have to learn to fall in love with winter sports or because you're already an athletic kind of person, was it easy for you to, to love winter sports? No, I'm definitely more of a beach person, I'll be honest. I like, I like the sun. Um, yeah, but no, I, I, I'll be honest, I've not really done too many of the winter sports. I've uh, enjoyed, like, I want to try the snowboarding and some skiing, but honestly, I've not, not done it before. So um, it's something I've still yet to kind of dip my toe into, I'll be honest. <laughs> a, little, a little hesitant with the cold. Okay, well, okay, take it from cross-country skiing is great because you're moving everything, uh, you know, uh, a boarding, you know, with both my feet attached into a board, even I, you know, a long time Canadian, I don't even understand how you can have both your feet tied into it. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe if we do, we'll have to do it together. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> All right, listen, um, you were just talking about how, you, you know, even before you came here eight years ago, you were already on that journey to, to personal training. Um, how did that journey begin for you? What, what was that like? And understand that it happened quite young for you. 
Yeah, it did. And like, I've been coaching for a long, long time now. I really started out quite young. I think I was around 13 or 14. I started coaching my brother's actual youth football team. Um, he's, they're, they're like, what age group would they have been at that time? I think maybe like seven years old, seven or eight years old. Um, so coaching young kids from a young age myself, um, just kind of really sparked that passion for helping people grow and just, yeah, like, you know, you get a lot, or personally, I get a lot from, from helping people and seeing them develop. And as a youth in, in football, the, the team, when, when we kind of took over, they weren't doing too well. By the end of the second season, we were coaching with them, they won the league. So, you know, it was, it was almost like instinct for me to be like, holy, this is, this is what I want to be doing. This is awesome. Um, and then I took kind of, you know, the football coaching I carried on with throughout my, my kind of teen years. Um, I got into training quite young as well. I was in the gym around 15, 16. I started doing kind of, you know, working out at home, doing basic things. And as soon as I was old enough to get a gym membership, I was there that same, that same day. Um, and then from there, it's kind of just kind of, kind of grown and snowballed from there, you know. Um, that was around, like, I did my personal training certification at, uh, between, I think I just turned 19 years old. Um, so, you know, I've, I've been doing this for, for quite a long time. And uh, yeah, no, it just just kind of like instantly fell in love with with being in the gym, and then you know, as as I kind of got uh, more knowledge and, and people, you know, in my area saw me in the gym all the time. You know, I'd be in there. I'm the guy in there on a Friday night after work. You know, when wow. it's dead, and it's just me in there. You know, so it's uh, it was nice to start seeing people come up to me and be like, oh sure, how like how are you getting to doing that? You know, or just asking for little bits of advice. And, um, you know, and then you get to, you get that kind of gym camaraderie with the, with the guys that go there, the females as well. There, there's a, um, you know, it's very diverse in, in, in the industry, which is something I love about it too. You know, you get all walks of life coming through and you can help people from athlete to somebody who's overweight, who's never moved before in their life. You know, the, the spectrum is so broad. That's one of the best things I like about being a trainer person is, is getting to help a variety of people in different scenarios. So you started out coaching teams. What was yeah. the, cause now you're, you're much more, you know, although we do workshops together and, but you're much more now one-on-one -on -one with people. Why did you want to, you know, move into that direction as opposed to staying coaching a team? What's the appeal for you to being the one-on-one? -on -one? Yeah, I really like, I like the one-on-one -on -one because you can just delve into it a little bit deeper. You know, when you're coaching a team sport, there's a lot of aspects to kind of manage. When you're working one-on-one -on -one with somebody, it's, you can really dive into, you know, their, their nutrition, their habits and their day-to-day -day life. And, you know, their thought processes is a big thing to be able to help change people to change those habits. So, yeah, when you're working with a, a coaching team, it's very, very different to, to working one-on-one. -on -one. So I think just that the ability to have such an impact on, on an individual's life is, is really impactful for me personally. But I did um, only until moving to Ottawa, actually. In fact, I was working, doing group classes too. So running boot camps in Toronto, um, that was really fun. And I did boot camps. It was initially what I started doing, actually, after I got my first PT course in the UK. I started with a few basic boot camps, just like in a field by my house, put out a few flyers around. You know, you get a group of like five people come around and so yeah that's kind of how it started so it really did grow from being uh, a group class instructor really to then kind of finding my feet as a trainer and then really just my personal preference now is to work with individuals you know we talked about a little bit before we went on camera 
um, and you know, we've known each other for a while now, and you really are all about learning and continuing to learn all the time. And you know, some people think, you know, I've got knowledge and I'm good at what I do, but you, you really, you, you push it for yourself and you share your knowledge with all of us, you know, when we get to trainers together. Why is that so important to you that we keep learning individually, but also, you know, amongst ourselves at Freeform Fitness? Why is that so important to you? Yeah, I think as, a, as trainers, you know, ongoing education, keep challenging yourself is something that you need to do because, you know, we, you, you're aware as, as somebody who's kind of, you know, does like triathlons and things like that, that you, you get good at something quite fast if you're doing a lot. So as a trainer, I get, you know, personally, if I'm talking personally, I get bored. I get really bored doing the same stuff. So if I'm not challenging myself and I'm not continuing to learn, then, you know, I, I get fed up of being in the gym. I get fed up of, you know, and that's not a place where I want to be personally. I love being in the gym. So for me to continually push myself as a movement practice with different modalities, that's what I personally enjoy. And then that enables me to then grow my knowledge. And then I enjoy sharing that knowledge because people get excited when we see new things, you know. Um, something that, you know, uh, if I look back at the past few years, it's ways my training has changed from, let's say, when I first moved to, to Toronto, I was very much in that kind of bodybuilder mindset still. Um, I definitely was working with kettlebells there. That was something that I kind of did right from the get-go. It was part of my certification kettlebells. And then I kind of dove deeper in the future. Um, so that kind of functional has always been there, but I was definitely in that mindset of like the bodybuilder split, you know, the doing individual muscle groups and things, working to, to failure. And then it kind of developed from there as I was getting really good at that. And it was getting kind of tedious of just, you know, doing bench press or doing rows. They get quite boring. So what I tended to do was then I dove into my kettlebells a lot more and I really expanded that knowledge. And then that was a few years working with that. And really, you know, it's something that's always present in my training, but I really dove into it for a few good few years there. And then from there, I went to more gymnastic style training. And that's when I really found a challenge because all of a sudden everything's kind of calisthenic based and it's all worked around, you need flexibility and mobility. So all of a sudden I was realizing that I wasn't doing the work on the, the flexibility and mobility side because I wasn't able to get into positions that I needed to be in to perform things like a handstand, you know, as an example. Um, and again, when people see you challenging yourself doing a handstand and you fall on your face, you fall on your face, and they see you do that for a few months in the gym, and then all of a sudden you're popping handstands after six months, up. holy, this guy figured it, like, you know, they see that progression, they see you challenging yourself, and people get kind of excited about that and intrigued about that. And personally, I like that. I like that people get intrigued about it and they want to come and find out more. And, and you know, maybe it's a little bit of vanity as well in my, in my own personality, just that I like to be that, you know, I want to be doing something different. I don't want to be doing everything that everybody else does. And also, again, like I said, it's because I get bored doing it, you know, so it's that challenge that I enjoy. But I also think on another level, because a lot of times, both you and I, when we're training, we're doing it in the gym and there are people around. And it proves that even though we may be slightly more athletic than, than some, certainly not all, but we may be in that position, it doesn't mean that we don't need to work at something to get better. So you're talking about your handstand, for instance, whereas for me, it would have been hinging with my squat. I'm just, you know, my, my, my hip flexors are horrible, but them seeing that we're trying to get better proves that it doesn't matter where you start. We, we're all trying to get better, right? That's it. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, the, it's nice to see, you know, I was doing a few years ago, I think back to a client that I helped and she walked into the gym in the morning and it was like 6am 
And I was just playing around doing some handstand practice, you know, just to wake up a little bit. And, and she was like, holy, you think I could ever do that? And, you know, she's like a fifth girl client. I've been working with her for a little while. And she was like, I don't think I would ever be able to do that. And then lo and behold, you know, we start working towards it because why not? I, you know, there's no reason that she can't do it. It's just practice. So we started to take those steps to get it. And then we managed to get her doing some like headstands and she got inverted where she was standing on her own. And all of a sudden it was just like, I can actually get this eventually, you know? So um, yeah, it's great to be able to instill that little bit of confidence and belief in people just by, by you know, seeing something a little different. That's so great. Um, you know, you were mentioning just a little bit earlier, we're gonna get into some of those things that you're, you know you're very good at. One of them was kettlebells, which you've mentioned a few times already. And uh, I meant to bring one closely, but maybe I can sneak in a photo of what a kettlebell looks like, but it's like, you know, it's like a giant ball with a handle and they come in all kinds of different weights. And I remember the first time I saw them thinking, I'm not even going to pick one of those up because I don't know what to do with those. But they are, you tell us, why are they so phenomenal? Um, I think one of the main reasons that they are so good is that they're so versatile, right? You can do so many different things with a kettlebell that you can't really do with a dumbbell. Um, just the way that you're able to manipulate the weight into different positions when, when you're moving with that bell, it makes such a difference on the way you're able to load tissues. It almost forces you to get deeper into positions. It forces more stability because usually there's a dynamic aspect to kettlebell training, something like a kettlebell swing that most people may have seen before. Um, and then it kind of develops from there and you can go to single arm and you can start to move into big complexes where you're looping big movements together. Um, so in terms of versatility, you're getting strength, cardiovascular work, flexibility, just it covers a really broad range that you're not able to really get when you're doing things as basic as let's say a bench press, you know? Um, so I think that's one of the, the main reasons is that it's so versatile and the movements can be so broad and you can, you know, the, the world of kettlebells is, is two kind of ways to go about it. There's a hard style of training, which is kind of the Russian style. And then there's also kettlebell sport, which is a lot looser. But if you look at kettlebell sport, which is interesting, they move over a period of time, which is usually longer. They're looking at reps in upwards of 100 to 200 reps in a time frame of around five to 10 minutes, depending on a long cycle, they call it, would be like 10 minutes of not putting the weight down. Um, so if you think about that, the benefits you can get from that are insane. Um, so there's, there's really different paths to go with kettlebell training, which is very interesting to me, again, from a challenge perspective. I've always done more of the hard style training myself. Um, and now actually I'm looking a little bit more into the kettlebell sport just because it's a, it's a different challenge for me. Um, and it's something that I think, you know, it's going to push me out of my comfort zone to be swinging those things for 10 minutes. <laughs> Believe me, but, I, I, I think I do, at my best, I get 50 reps in, which is, you know, I don't even know, it's barely a minute. And I'm so glad to put it down. I can't even imagine five to 10 minutes. That's exciting. That's it. And, and, and that's, that's the challenge, right? So, uh, yeah, it's definitely exciting. Definitely well, you know, as, a, as, an, as an add-on, uh, you know, recently you put us through a kettlebell workshop and it's, you know, there's so much to learn and it was so difficult, but so exciting to learn new things. So, so uh, before we go on, thank you for sharing your knowledge. <laughs> um, the other thing is precision nutrition. Now, most people understand that this is not, you know, this is not a walk in the park. These, you know, there's, there are exams and it's a, a very in-depth course. Uh, which obviously talks about nutrition. Why was that valuable to you as 
a coach, a trainer? Um, so really the main reason I went for physical nutrition was because it delved into a little bit more of the psychology of helping people to change habits. Um, so nutrition is very habitual. People get into routine with it. You know, something like an example would be wake up, you go downstairs, you switch on the coffee, you have your coffee, you have whatever else breakfast. You go into work, you go for your lunch, you go to Starbucks, you get the same thing. And these cycles just become rinse and repeat for people and they're not even usually aware. So there's definitely tools that precision nutrition help you to, to use and utilize and understand to help to get people to make those habit changes. Um, a, a perfect example is just getting someone to do a food diary. A lot of the times people, again, you know, it's, it's, it's not a thought, their food, they just go in, I'll have this, this, that's what we should have. Cool, good to go. When people actually write it down and, you know, let's say for, uh, usually for clients, I will do a period of two weeks so that we can look at a decent sized snapshot. When I sit down with clients and we look at those two weeks, a lot of people are very surprised because they think that maybe they're eating a little cleaner, a little healthier than they usually do. Um, and they're surprised to see that, oh, I snapped a lot here. I didn't drink water here. I haven't had a salad for a week, you know, not having any greens or vegetables with, with those meals happens all the time for people. And only when you're able to sit down and visually see Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, then they're able to go, holy, you know, I need to make some changes. So that's one of the best ways to change habits is to actually help people to see where the issues lie. And then from there, it's changing little things at a time. So if I'm, let's say we're doing you know, two months, and we check in every two weeks, every two weeks, we're only gonna be changing one or two things. You know, Maybe it will be every other day, you've got to get some greens in, or every day I need you to drink a big glass of water before you have your coffee in the morning. Something as simple as that, that people can do and is manageable and will hopefully um, make change happen over a long period of time because we want it to be lasting change, right? People aren't coming to traders, free form or anywhere else to have changes that last a month, six months, a year, they want to invest in personal training so they can change their life, you know? So um, precision nutrition very much helped me to, to get people to, to change their habits in, in that sense. And um, yeah, you know, anybody can kind of follow a food plan. It's something that most people can do for, a, you know, let's say a couple of weeks, six weeks, and they can make that change and lean out and, and get shredded, whatever it may be you want to do. But they're not, the longevity isn't there, you know? You can eat chicken and broccoli for a couple of weeks, yeah, but you're gonna get real, real, real quick, you know? So um, it's, it's those habitual changes that really, really help the longevity of making change. Yeah, and there is a synergy between eating well, you know, having, creating good habits and, and working out and being able to, to tie those two things together propels you into, you know, a, a fitness, uh, and fitness for everybody is different. We often use that word fitness, but understanding that everyone has a different idea of what their fitness is for them, and that's perfectly fine. But when you can tie yeah. those two, two things together, you know, sky's the limit. That's it, yeah. And it's a good point that people have different levels or ideas of what fitness is, right? Because not everybody needs to be running a marathon or benching 225 or whatever it may be. You know, for most people, it's just, I want to be able to keep up with my kid. Or, you know, I want to make sure I'm around to see my grandchildren. Those are the, the types of things that most people are coming in with. So, you know, it's very much so that we want to 
just educate people on how to, to feel a bit better about themselves, keep their weight off a little bit when they need to, but also understanding that we're human and we get one go round and it's merry go round and you know, you've got to live your life. So that's something that I always like to instill in people is that if you feel like having a pint at the weekend, go and have a pint at the weekend. You know what I mean? But when Monday rocks around, and I personally like to, again, I teach all my clients this, that you know, if Monday to Friday is, is, is the work week, and that's when you really need to be on top of your nutrition. Think of it as work. Think of it as something you've just got to be a little more cognizant about. You know, um, And that's something I really try and instill in clients too, because it generally helps. Because if we look at the, the broad scale, you know, if we can change five days of a week, that starts to add up over a period of time, right? So yeah, I think that's, uh, that's one of my biggest go-tos is, is thinking of nutrition as just a little bit of work because you've got to think about it just a little bit. So, you know, let it fall into that Monday to Friday, weekend rolls around, order your pizza, have a beer. But, you know, when Monday rocks up, back to work. Perfect. Yeah, uh, you and I share that for sure. Um, speaking of fitness levels, one last thing I want to touch on before we move on is the pre and postnatal. You know, oftentimes people come to the gym. I know I've had that and they're unsure. They, they've had a doctor's approval. The doctor says you're perfectly fine, whether it's pre or post, but they're yeah. like, should I, is this safe? Should I not, um, you know, more value in that. Talk to us about that. Um, you should basically ensure is you should not stop what you're doing. There's definitely limitations in certain areas of pregnancy. You know, in the first trimester, we want to make sure we're not overheating because we don't want to cook the little bugger. You know, <laughs> we want to make sure it's coming out right. But um, yeah, there's definitely like, in, in short, you should. You should carry on and it should start to, you know, um, taper off. We want to make sure that we're still moving. We're still lifting weight. We're still moving on the load. Um, but the main thing is, is you just keep moving. Um, it, it, you know, you can. I've trained ladies that we've trained right up until a week or two before birth, and they've been doing deadlifts, they've been doing squats and push ups and core stuff, whatever it may be. But you've got to keep moving because that's where people go wrong is they get into that thought of like it's too dangerous, or you know, and even for people that have been training and then they just stop because they think that that's probably even worse to be honest because now you're doing yourself a detriment, you know. You want to make sure you continue to move as much as possible and you know one thing even this goes without being pregnant as well if you walk into the gym and on the day you don't feel up to it go through the motions you know really light just just move a little bit have a stretch it's it's all about just keeping the body ticking over and maintaining that that level of homeostasis you know it's it's that's that's what it's all about and it's the same when you're pregnant you've got to keep moving don't stop moving um but make sure you falls within within your limits. And of course, if you're unsure, get a professional to help. <laughs> of course, exactly, right? And we always, we always stress, like make sure that whether you're pregnant or not pregnant, the conversation is always, you know, are, you, are we good for this? The doctor is good, are, you're not being medically supervised. And oftentimes someone will say, well, yes, I am. And then we have the ability to work with this person's, whether it's their physiotherapist or their actual doctor. Um, yeah. And we can, there's, there could be three, there's a team and we can work together. You, you the, the, the client, the, the trainer and the ph physician, whatever that may be. And together yeah. we can just, you know, all be on the same page. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's super important that we, as trainers, that we work with those outside uh, practitioners too, because it gives us a more broader spectrum of what's happening with that client, right? So 
uh, it's amazing how many people actually work with a physio or chiro regularly. So to be able to get that insight of what they're seeing on their end when they're you know, looking at it from more of a clinical perspective, um, because if we're able to blend that clinical perspective with kind of our movement, then you know those people are going to move like a dream. You know, we're going to be able to fix people up and change people's lives working together with those practitioners. But if there's that missing link there, and you're working kind of maybe against what they're trying to achieve with physio or chiro, then you know maybe you're doing that client a detriment. So if that client is working with somebody, it's always a good idea to to touch base. You know, quick email. What are you seeing on your end? What do we need to work on? You know, that's something that. I do with any client that's working with an outside practitioner being a physio or chiro. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about something else that you do. You often talk about back to basics. I hear you say that a lot where you're saying, okay, we're just going to move, but we're going to bring it back to the basics. Start from the beginning. What do you mean by that? I think that, I think everybody needs to understand the importance of this. Yeah. So I think back to basics covers uh, a lot just in the, in the terms, but as, a, as, as humans, we have a kind of, there's, there's movements that we should be able to perform efficiently, you know, like something like a squat. Everybody should be able to kind of sit comfortably in a, in a squat. That's kind of the way we were designed. And unfortunately, through being put in a chair from the age of whatever, six to, you know, for, onwards, yeah. then it does a real detriment to your hips and your spine and your ankles and, and whatever else. So getting back to basics, when I would say that, what I'm really talking about is just improving overall movement quality and the way you're able to move your body as a whole without any excess load, right? Without taking a dumbbell or a kettlebell or a band or whatever it may be, just being able to move your body efficiently and effectively without pain being the main, main thing, right? Too many people move with pain. And if you're moving with pain, that's a sign that there's something wrong. There's some dysfunction there. That's what pain is a sign of. So when I say back to basics, that's all I'm really talking about is trying to regress that client so that we can regress to progress. That's really what back to basics means for me is being able to regress so we can progress even further. You know, if you aren't able to squat to the ground comfortably, we've got to work on that a little bit. You know, if you're able to perform a squat without your knees caving in, that's great. But if they're caving in, we need to do some work because something's not right in the system and you're probably getting some knee pain. So when I say back to basics as well, you know, something that I like to teach in, in workshops and things is, is getting down to the ground. That's right. Um, when we're babies, we start on our backs, right? We start on our backs and we develop, we develop through reaching and through rolling and through kicking our legs. Um, and then we get to our stomachs and then we continue to kind of come up onto the fours and then it comes to kneeling. So there's very much uh, a sequence that humans take regardless of gender, whatever it may be. Everybody moves the exact same from being a baby. They take the same processes. Obviously there's gonna be little variations here and there, but nine out of 10 people are gonna take the same process from being a baby to coming back up to a fully functioning human. So to regress people back down to the being on their back, um, from a nervous system objective, it very much down-regulates you. You put yourself in a comfortable position um, you're able to breathe and relax when you're on your back. You know, that's why we sleep on our backs. If you've ever done yoga, the final pose is Shavasana on the back. You know, it's the most relaxed place we can be. So for clients, especially that, are, you know, we've got a lot of like go, go, go people that work for government, and, uh, you 
you know, different policy through UNs and, and work for big banks and, and whatever it may be. These are high functioning people. A lot of times they're not able to get out of this. So to be able to regress someone back down to their back and put them in a place where they're able to just relax and feel comfortable and their nervous system is able to just maybe take a little bit of that stress off, all of a sudden we're able to get the tissue to be more malleable. Right? And that's what we're looking for at the end of the day. If we're looking at a baby sitting in a squat, they can sit there all day and play, right? I've just personally had a son who's just about to turn six months old. So for me, it's amazing seeing this development. I've been teaching even before having a kid, right? So now I'm like looking at this little guy like so intently, like seeing what's going on with all the details. And um, yeah, you know, if, like using the word malleable again is just that's what we're going for when we're thinking about tissue so if we're able to regress somebody down to the back and we're able to down regulate their nervous system a little bit all of a sudden it opens opportunities for us to move better right right from the get-go um so yeah that's definitely uh where i take a lot of clients uh depending on obviously goals but everybody's going to be working from the ground up in some form or another definitely I also find in this, I'm, you know, I'm interjecting, but a lot of my senior citizens, they say, I don't, I don't want to go to the floor. And I say to them, I want you to go to the floor because if you accidentally end up on the floor, you'll have confidence and trust that you can get back up again. So that if you believe, if you've done it 12 times with me, three times a week, if you do happen to fall, you can just stop for a moment before panic sets in because it's not always easy when you fall and just say, wait a minute, I've done this with Catherine at the gym a gazillion times, I know what I'm doing. And it actually happened with one of our clients. She fell in the snow and she remembered baby steps over and on her knees and crawled. And there was a fire hydrant and she got up and she's like, it just, whereas, you know, a year ago she would have been, you know, not necessarily traumatized, but oh my goodness, somebody needs to help me. So there's not only do we want to help people move better, but also understand what they're capable of in moments when maybe they feel like otherwise they would just be stranded. Yeah, no, it's great to relate back to real life scenarios because that's what we're training for at the end of the day, most people, right? Most people aren't training to, like we touched on earlier, run a marathon or, or you know, compete in the Olympics. Most people just want to be able to go about their life, not get in pain, not get injured and like have a nice time. You know, that's what most people are up for. So, you know, that was a great example using all the client because um, the quality of life after a fall for an older client diminishes a lot. Um, you know, a lot of people break their if they hips. Break, if they break something, yes. If they break something. So if they have the ability to be able to catch themselves before they fall or to even to have the ability to get up from the ground, um, you know, and not be stuck there if they're on their own. You know, all people that are stuck at home on their own, it happens a lot that, you know, especially people living in kind of the community living, they have special systems in every room that they can contact if they fall, you know, to give somebody the confidence that they can, Get up from the ground seems super simple, but is so effective and is so meaningful to a lot of people because you know we don't get down on the ground enough. From the you know if you're if you've been in education your whole life, so let's use I love to use doctors as an example because a lot of people have them on pedestal, <laughs> right? <laughs> they spend their whole time in education and you know the amount of surgeons and the amount of doctors and physicians that I've had with clients that don't take care of themselves from like a movement perspective and a nutritional perspective blows my mind, right? So if these people that, are, uh, you know, that know the body inside and out and can kind of dissect you in a minute aren't even able to do that, then, you know, there's not much hope for the people that don't have that depth of knowledge, you know? So 
I think it's super, super important that we kind of, as trainers, we help people to just understand that a little bit of training can help your life considerably. Yeah. And that brings us back to uh, who, you know, who trains, who comes to a gym. I think there's also this preconceived idea of the person that trains in a gym, but truly the people that you're helping, the spectrum of, you know, in ages, but also in where you are in your fitness level, there's no one really that is, can't come in to train with you. No, not all. You know, the, they can be a youth, they can be old, they can be injured, they can be fit as a fiddle, and we're just going to make them fitter. You know, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. The, the, you know, the human body, we're, we're all very similar. There's very minor differences, but there's certain ways to train the body, and it works for everybody. You know, for there's the athletes, they use different systems and cycles of training. You know, they maybe start with like a just to use examples, muscular endurance, and you go through hypertrophy and strength and power. All these systems can be used for a 70 year old lady. There's no reason. It's just tailoring it to that person, to that client. You know, if I'm looking at muscular endurance for an old lady, maybe I'm going to start with some very light, basic deadlifts with a really light kettlebell. And if I'm starting an athlete there, maybe I'm going to be doing some heavy kettlebell swings. It's, it's all about tailoring it to that client, but everybody's body goes through the same kind of systems. So using those systems with, with athletes, with, with regular people, Senior. you know, it, it works and it's huge. And, and that's where the science comes in with what we do. And that's why it's so important to keep educating yourself as a trainer because science for our industry comes in leaps and bounds. You know, if we look about where the industry was, let's say 40 years ago, you know, then it was completely different. We look at people like Arnold Schwarzenegger and Jane Fonda. Those are the people that brought, you know, our industry to light, to the masses. So we've got to look at where it's come from, where science was really like not much when Arnie was training. They knew how to get big, yeah, and they knew how to kind of gain mass. But in terms of the flexibility and the importance of mobility of joints and things like that, it's kind of overlooked. So that's why you have kind of a, you know, I've worked with people that maybe in their 40s or 50s that have done body building and things that have torn up shoulders and torn up knees and be, just because the science wasn't there. So that's why it's super important as trainers to continue to educate yourself because like I said, it chops and changes almost, you know, every year there's something new come out that, you know, a different research group or study that shows different results from different things and different modalities that work better than others. Um, yes, that's why I think the education, again, is just so important. Well, speaking of education, can you think of, you know, one or two or three, the biggest things you've learned along the way? You know, maybe they're small things or maybe they're like, wow, those kinds of things. What are some of the things that, that you've learned that you find are just, you almost wish you knew them earlier? Um, yeah, using the getting back to basics again, like I come back to that, but like I wish that I was had the ability to sit in the bottom of a squat when I was 16, 17, because I definitely didn't. You know, I ran in crappy shoes and I didn't practice yoga or any mobility or flexibility. I didn't stretch, you know, went for a run and hit the gym and that was about it. So I wish that I had that depth of knowledge then to know that if I had just practiced sitting in a squat or practiced some basic yoga positions that I wouldn't have had to put so much work in to, to get back to where I needed to be, you know? Um, so yeah, if there's anything I would say just like right off the bat, it's that emphasis on just being able to use um, 
you know, what's the word, like archetypal positions, you know, that are just like so ingrained in us as humans that we need to use them, that we don't use them. It's getting back to using those positions, you know, the ability to sit in a squat, to be comfortable sat on your butt on the ground on a hard side. You know, because I think people, you know, when you say, sit, you know, sit, sitting in a squat, sitting in a squat, I don't think, I don't know if people are visualizing your feet are on the ground and your bum is right in, right in there in between with your knees up on yeah. your chest, like a, like a child playing with a toy, right? They yeah. scoot your butt down and they're just in that position. That's literally what you're talking about. That's it. Yeah. If anybody's got a baby at home, like that's, that's gone from, you know, the transition crawling to now standing and sitting in, the, in that squat. Look at what they look like and how comfortable they look in that squat. And how, easy they, how, and how easy they pop out of it. That's it, right? Yeah, and, and the movements, it just become so easy, but they're lost on us as humans, you know? They're, you know, getting to the ground is lost on us because we go from bed to our car, to our desk, to, to you know, the car, to bed, to, and that's just the cycle that we take and very rarely do the, you know, general population of people ever even put their hand on the ground. You know, the, all of my clients now barely even ask me for a map, you know, to use in the gym because I'm like, get on the ground, you know, and they're comfortable getting on the ground now. You know, it's just something that I've drilled and drilled and drilled. And now they're just like, I'm here. Okay, cool, I'm here. And they just do it, you know, without asking for a thick back because our tissue should be malleable. And if you're able to sit on the ground and you're in pain, like, you need to do something about that. You need to make some change, you know, maybe introduce a foam roller into your program, some flexibility, hit a yoga class, whatever it may be, you know, but if you're in pain in these very simple positions of sitting or kneeling or squatting, uh, if you're going upstairs and you get knee pain, you know, those simple things that are very, very common, those are signs of dysfunction through like the hips, you know? Um, so yeah, just to kind of loop back around to those kind of key things is just, the basics are basics for a reason. And the basics are what's gonna take you to that next level, you know? There's a reason that when you, if you look at the Olympics, which is running right now, the, in weightlifting, the big movements, they all hit a squat, you know? They all hit overhead position. And those basics are always gonna be practiced. Always, always, in every program that a, an athlete does or that even you know, anybody does, the squat is always gonna be there. It's just a foundational movement for a human. So again, yeah, just touching back to it is just the basics, get comfortable with it. You know, that's what's going to really help you to progress. Before I ask you about your own favorites when it comes to training yourself, you know, I've heard you say a few times already today, uh, the, using the word flexibility and mobility. Um, and I know that there, there's great value in those things. Explain that to me, you know, to people that are, that are watching right now. Is it the same? Yeah. flexibility and mobility? Are they the same thing? Um, no, they're, um, they're not quite the same thing. They're very similar and they kind of go hand in hand, but they're not the same thing. So when we're looking at flexibility, we're looking at the ability of the muscle to kind of stretch, the muscle and say tendon. And then when we're looking at mobility, usually we're looking at joint, right? So we're looking at how that joint functions. So let's say if we're looking at like flexibility of my, you know, hamstrings, I'm going to do like a toe touch or something. But if I'm looking at the mobility of my hips, then I want to be able to see what I'm like in a squat, right? Because I want to see those joints compact, you know, like we just discussed what a baby looks like. They go, whoop, super easy. And they sit there and that's what we're looking for. So that's really the key difference between flexibility and mobility is we're looking at muscles versus joints, but they go hand in hand, right? The more flexible your muscles are, the more that joint is going to be able to move freely. Um, yeah. 
So that, that's kind of the main difference there when we're looking at that. And there's and different these, ways to affect it, each thing kind of separately in itself. And these things, these components, they're included in our workout programs. They definitely are, yeah. From like a movement perspective, they're, they're, they're part of the program. We like to call them, say, correctives, you know, corrective exercises. Um, and usually, the corrective exercise is going to go along with an actual exercise that then loads that tissue too, because that's how we get the nervous system to remember it and to be like, this is safe for us now. We're good in this range of motion. You know, using the bench press as an ideal you know, scenario is your overhead position when you're benching. This, unfortunately, pays dividends to what happens here. Um, so, yeah, like... That there's, there's a big component of, of the mobility. If you're able to loosen up this tissue here, we're going to loosen up that joint, right? So flexibility kind of equals mobility almost. Yeah. All right. So now we've talked about training our clients. What about training you? If you, if you know right after this, because for anybody watching, in case they can hear the echo, Sean and I are in one of our locations at the Metcalf location, but because, you know, it's still a pandemic, He's in an office over here and I'm at the front over here. So we're separate. Um, so there might be a little bit of an echo, but we're, you know, we continue to be very safe in all of our locations. Um, so technically when you walk out of that room, you can go right into the gym. What would be your go-to? What are some of your favorites? Uh, so obviously kettlebells. Yeah. So the kettlebell swing, I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I would say the swing is honestly my favorite exercise, the kettlebell swing. Um, simply because it's able to load a lot of musculature at the same time. It's as well as being a strength exercise, it's a cardiovascular exercise. Yes. <laughs> yeah. So that's why, in terms of bang for your buck, no, there'll be days where I'm, bit, you know, especially now I've moved um, into a different role with freeform, I find myself busy, busy, short on time, unfortunately. But, you know, one thing that always will be present is kettlebell swings, you know, in between clients. I just hit a few, you know, 50 swings, 100 swings if I can. Um, you know, and it's, it lubricates the joints, the hips, it flushes the lower back full of blood, which is something that doesn't happen. You know, we spend a lot of time with our kind of, with sat on those hips and you're all tucked under and, you know, your back gets tight. So the, there's, there's so many benefits to the swing. You know, I could swing a 40 pound kettlebell and that will help me to maintain a 225 pound deadlift. You know, so the, 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 uh, Within the tissues, we're looking at like a recoil mechanism. And that's one thing that the ballisticness of a, of a kettlebell really helps to maintain that kind of, uh, that flexibility and that recoil of those tissues. So that's one of the reasons that's so beneficial as well. Um, if we look at another exercise, I'm gonna say pull-ups, another go-to, just overall strength. Um, you know, I don't think that there's one for upper body that's, that's better. Um, you know, we get a lot of core involved when we're doing it properly. Um, there's a ton of benefits from the mobility perspective as well, working to kind of full range of motion. Um, I'd say those two are a great go-to. And then let's throw a core one in there for good measure because right. I love my windmills as well. So the wind, kettlebell windmill, um, again, we work kind of laterally when we're doing that. So we're working different planes of motion then as well. Um, and also it's something that you can load very heavy or you can go very light with. Uh, again, you can load it with a kettlebell, you can load it with a dumbbell. There's so many different variations of it. But um, in terms of bang for your buck, I feel like I get the most out of that from my core. All right, so when you're not training, let's, let's finish on a personal note. What do you do in your, dog, your, your downtime? So I know you've got, you've got a bulldog at home, you've got a brand new baby boy, he's about six months old. What do you do in your downtime? Um, so in my downtime, I walk the dog. 
<laughs> when I can. So yeah, I've got the dog uh, and then the baby, which is a new addition, which has been- Stop here, stop here. Someone's at the door. I think they're delivering something. We're, I'm gonna pick up this question. Do you wanna come see? And then yeah, yeah, Riley can take this out. Sorry, I think there's somebody delivering. I don't know, I don't know what that is. Sorry, Riley, we'll pick up with that question. Yeah, we should be done in like five minutes. Yeah, five minutes, we should be good. So I'll ask that question again. Yeah, we're just recording something. So if you can be really quiet, that'd be great. All right. All right. I'm going to go back to that. All right. So we know what you like to do workout wise. Uh, what do you do in your downtime? What's your downtime like? You have a bulldog at home. I know that you've got a brand new baby boy, six months old. Congratulations. But what else do you like to do in, in your downtime? Um, so yeah, I love to like, honestly, I run a lot. I skateboard a lot. I love to skateboard. It's something I've always done from age of like 10 or something like that. Um, it comes in, comes in waves that does, but definitely something that I do quite regularly. Um, I love it as well, just because it gets me out of my head. You can't think of much else when you're riding a skateboard other than riding a skateboard because it's quite, it can be quite dangerous. So I love that aspect of just kind of like, you can't think of anything else. This is just like what I'm doing. It's physical, it's active. It takes a lot of concentration and skill. Um, and then also I play a lot of guitar too. I love to play my guitar. Um, I'm more of a blues guy, I'll be honest. That's my kind of go-to. Oh, you blues. get along great with my husband. He's the same. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like that's my, my go-to. Just more of a chill vibe, you know. I'm not like the heavy fresh metal or anything like that. Definitely more of a blues attack of that. Um, but yeah, those are kind of my go-to things for kind of my downtime. I honestly, I, I do a lot of like mobility work at home and kind of yoga practice too. That's something that you know, ask my partner, Mary, she'll, I'm always on the floor kind of just messing around if we've got something on the TV. Again, it just goes back to kind of moving as much as possible. And like, I'm a bit of a fidget. So, you know, I can't really sit and watch TV for too long. A 30 minute show, I'll probably get up at least three times. <laughs> so I think, uh, I think we're all like that. I think all trainers, I, I have a hard time staying put as well. So I think that's just in, innate yeah. how we are. <laughs> yeah, just like I really struggle to sit still. So uh, there's that aspect as well. But then uh, other than that, you know, we like to hang out. Mary's a chef, so we try and get to as many restaurants and things as possible, especially if there's like something new in town. Uh, a little more difficult now with the kid, but we managed to get out a few times recently, which has been nice. And uh, everybody coos over the baby when we sat on patios and stuff. So uh, that's nice. <laughs> yeah. All right, listen, before we close off, I've got three, I always ask three, you know, rapid fire questions and just sort of see what your take is on them. So try not to think too hard, just see where it takes you. Um, okay. and, but I think we touched on one already, but I'll ask it again, just in case. What's something that you know now that you wish you knew the very first day when you first started personal training? Uh, organization will make you a professional. I like that. What is the first skill you like to teach beginners? If they have the ability, the Turkish get up. Oh my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I have a whole other conversation about that because you taught me that. Can I tell you? I'm obsessed. I've been doing them almost every second day. There you go. Out of this world. I'm obsessed. Okay. <laughs> That's something else entirely. Um, and thinking back to yourself, what do you believe is your most valuable coaching skill? Uh, the accent. <laughs> okay, you got me on that for sure. 
Um, no, in all honesty, I think um, I have an ability to, to help people understand that what they're capable of, I think, you know, I have the ability to, to get people to kind of buy into what I'm doing, I think, which, which really, really helps people to, to understand that they have the ability to do these things that they didn't think were possible. Um, I think that's one of my biggest kind of, you know, selling points as a trainer and, and why people stick around for so long is because in a short amount of time, they see a big difference and, and all of a sudden they want to expand on that. Um, I think, yeah, just my ability to kind of draw the best out of people, um, yeah, tends to be why people stick around. Well, thank you so much. I, you know, there's so much knowledge and so much fun that you got to, you know, share with us in, in the last 45 minutes or so. I'm so grateful for you for joining us. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me. And listen, if people want to, you know, a little bit more about you, I know they can find you on Instagram. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, SeanRogers.pt. There you go. All right. Well, that's it for us. Thank you for watching at home. Be sure to check out our past podcasts to get to know more members of our fabulous team. And while you're there, make sure that you like and subscribe. You'll get more great health and fitness content. And you can even comment. We always like to respond to the comments. And that's it. That's a wrap for today's edition. And we will see you next time. Thanks again, Sean. Bye.